I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hi there. Welcome to episode 306. Hello. (laughs) Thank you to Pet Sitters Associates and our Patreon members. If, If you don't know what that is... If you enjoy the podcast and have gotten value out of the past 300 plus episodes, you can financially support us with the price of a cup of coffee every month. And you can be like Barbie, Erica, Desiree, Liz, Anna, and Yvonne. Thank you so much. We are very appreciative of you listening, sharing, and supporting the podcast with some money. Yeah, and thank you all for sticking with us through our switching hosts debacle. Yes, that was basically a lost week. That week is lost in time. To time. But we got it all switched over. We we're all back up and running and we're uh, happy to be back behind the mic and doing this. If you are in our Sitter Confessionals Facebook group, you may know Scott Black and he's actually coming on the podcast soon. So that's very exciting. But he had posted an excellent infographic basically listing out why you should stop apologizing. Well, yeah, nine things that we need to stop apologizing for. And there'll be a link to that post in the show notes so you can go and see this. But the nine things that it said we should stop apologizing for were asking questions, not being available at all times. We should stop apologizing for our feelings vocalizing our needs, outgrowing a place or situation, stop apologizing for your accomplishments or not looking presentable or doing things that make you happy, or really the big one here, stop apologizing for having boundaries. It's a really good list. And so what we wanted to do on today's episode was talk about apologizing in business when it's appropriate and how to get the I'm sorry's under control. Because apologizing does play a very important role in society and in relationships. It helps people heal and build trust. However, over-apologizing, though it may seem harmless, actually ends up undermining your authority and your own personal confidence in yourself. And importantly, as a business, it makes you seem indecisive and actually damages your credibility with the people around you. When you say that you are sorry for everything or almost everything, people can stop hearing it and they stop taking you seriously. It's especially damaging when you need to issue a genuine and sincere apology. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf of like, oh, Mm. you say it so much that they don't actually believe you anymore. (laughs) The more you say sorry, the less power that it actually has. So if you've ever said something like, I'm sorry, my schedule is so full, I can't accommodate a last minute request. Or I'm sorry, we're we're not a good fit. After the meet and greet, we are not a good fit. Or I'm sorry, but you need to pay the invoice. I have bills to pay. Or even, I'm sorry, but I don't think you should feed your cat, or I don't think you should feed your dog that. If you've said any of those phrases, you may be an over-apologizer. But something you don't have to apologize for is pet business insurance. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. And that's why Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they've provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Since you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetsitLLC.com. You can get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and using the discount code CONFESSIONAL at checkout to get $10 off. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. If you have a bad habit of apologizing, it can kind of become an unconscious habit that really starts to tell people around us that we are, one, not really sincere, 
Two, maybe potentially afraid of them. Or three, not good enough. We have those feelings of, I, I'm, I need to say I'm sorry because I don't have the self-assurance and the self-esteem that I am worth it. I'm good enough. And then it can also tell people that we are potentially willing to bend our policies of, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't really want to have that in there, but it is in my policies and, you know, they may take advantage of that next time. It shapes and molds how people view us and their perceptions of who we are. And a lot of times this starts out by coming from a good place. We have good intentions. We we may be trying to make other people happy. I know that's a big thing for me. I want to make sure people are happy. Or maybe you're trying to make a good impression. It's the meet and greet, and it's the first time that they've met you, and you want to make sure that they try and get off on the right foot. I think something that's really common for a lot of us, actually, is that we try to lighten bad news and blunt the impact that that's going to have on somebody and hope that they receive it better if we try and cover it with an apology. Yeah, nobody likes delivering news of, oh, your dog ate the blinds or your dog pooped on the carpet and I couldn't get the stain up. Exactly. But so that we can apologize from good intentions in a good place, but there's also apologizing from a not so good place. And this is where it takes us trying to understand where it's coming from for us personally. Yeah, our motives and our intentions. Yeah, we may lack confidence. And I think you touched on that a little bit. We, we don't feel like we're good enough for people. We lack confidence in our, in our skill sets, in our business, in what we're doing. We may feel bad for bothering people. Like yeah, I, if they're trying to take a vacation and you're going, I need to know where the cleaning supplies are. You know, we don't, we, we need to know, but we also don't want to bother people. Yeah, yeah that impacts, that's, that is rooted in your view of your self-worth of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough to bother this person with this news. Maybe we're self-conscious and insecure about what we're trying to communicate or what we're doing. Maybe you were raised by a strict family or strict relatives or were in a strict environment where you feel like anytime you have to come or approach with bad news or something doesn't go right, you have to apologize. Or I think we have to be honest here, maybe you're recovering from toxic relationships and still really dealing with stress and anxiety from those. And apologizing is a way of coping and dealing with that. That's a lot of heavy stuff. So we'll use this as another reminder that if you're dealing with very weighty topics and feelings and having mental health concerns in your own life, to get help and there's support out there for you, we can absolutely help you get connected. Yeah, and start working on that and addressing some of those concerns and issues that you may be working through because everybody has them. And, and we, when we discover the roots of this, we discover that we apologize for many, many reasons. And I think a really common one is that we know that if we apologize, it removes the stress of an interaction. Maybe after a heated discussion or an argument, we know that we know that saying sorry at the end of it feels really good and provides a lot of resolution for what happened. Well, it can diffuse the situation too. If yeah. somebody's really mad at you, you just say I'm sorry and a lot of times they will become a little more nice. Well, and that's exactly what this process is. We we typically apologize at the end of a conversation when we're resolving it, but we can start trying to move that apology up earlier and earlier in the conversation because we're hoping to deflect and smooth ruffled feathers before they even actually happen. So instead of the apology coming at the end, now it's at the beginning of the sentence. Yeah. So something like, I'm sorry, I'm not available. Exactly. We, we need to just say, I'm not available during those days. 
and that be the end of it. But we put that apology at the beginning, hoping to blunt that news, hoping that person will just like us a little bit more, a little bit more, because then we get that little kickback of, oh, that made me feel good. I know that made the other person feel good. And what have we just done? We've started this addictive process of putting that apology first. And now we can't help ourselves, but apologize at the beginning of everything. So just this morning, we actually had a client that was upset over our policies. And I really, (laughs) really wanted to start off the conversation by immediately saying, I'm sorry, we'll take care of it. But here's the thing, and here's what we have to be honest with ourselves. I wasn't sorry at all. I wasn't actually remorseful for what was going on. Because Because we have policies and a contract for a reason to protect our business. And she had not abided by them. So there was a consequence for that. She had to suffer that repercussion of going through that. I didn't like that feeling. I wanted to make sure that she was happy and everything. So by saying I'm sorry, technically, I'm lying to that person. And I am not giving them my true and full word as an individual. And this is where that trust starts to break down that we mentioned at the top of the show of when we apologize over and over for things that we're not actually sorry for, people stop hearing it. They stop trusting us when we say things. They don't believe us because there's nothing that's changing. A true apology, a true acknowledgement of wrong is followed up by a change in behavior, way of thinking, and uh, systems in your life. And when they don't see that, and you just apologize for everything, they know you're not genuine. People well, can see through that. Well, and in this instance, we aren't sorry that we have that policy in place because that does protect our business. That protects our time, our staff's time. And so I'm not sorry that I had that in there. Exactly. So instead of starting off with what I really in my heart wanted to of, I'm sorry, we'll take care of it. I started off with, I can tell you're upset. Can you please explain why that is? And then I could explain and direct that towards a resolution without ever apologizing. Because in your communication, in our communications as business owners, uh, especially whenever we're working with clients, we have to be brief, specific, direct, and unapologetic. Basically, and we've touched on this in previous episodes, but state the problem and how you'll fix it. Then, and this is extremely important, (laughs) stop talking. Yeah, you don't want to go on too long because they're going to tune you out. They're going to stop listening and they're going to be thinking about how they're going to defend themselves if you keep talking. Exactly. And they're going to try to nitpick and you're going to feel more pressure to do something and say something. So we have to internally start to be okay with letting the facts sit out there. Well, and we're just talking about it verbally, but it's much easier to do over text Mm. if they violated something in your contract. You just send a screenshot of the contract and say, this is our our cancellation policy or our key policy, you know, whatever it is, and it's in black and white right there, they've already signed it. Exactly. And you can point them right back to that. And in in pet care, in the service industry, and running a business, a lot of times things are out of our control. And we apologize a lot for those because we feel like we had some responsibility. So first, before you say anything, whether verbally or in written form, assess whose control was this under? Did I actually have any agency to prevent this from happening? Yeah. Is this my fault? A really good example of this is maybe you have to reschedule a meet and greet. This could be for whatever reason. You have to take care of a sick family member. Maybe you had a last minute booking that pops up at that same time. So you have to move the meet and greet to accommodate that visit. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, I have to move the meet and greet. Say something like, I have to move the meet and greet. Thank you for understanding here's a new time that works best for me and move on and wait for their response. 
And this is, of course, under a scenario where it is not your fault that you had to move the meet and greet. If a client gets belligerent or mistreats you, you can absolutely say, you know, that hurt or that isn't helpful. And if you're in person, you can even say, I need a few minutes to collect myself. Or in a text, don't respond right away and just take a few minutes to just breathe. Clients can be pretty irritating sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And they can be pretty forceful and demanding of us. And things can start to get a little emotional. And so you can at 100% of the time, leave the room, leave the text message, put the phone on mute at any time without apology. You don't have to say, I'm sorry, I will be right back. I'm sorry, I need to have time to collect myself. You have that right and that agency to ask and demand more time to think about something and to process it instead of somebody constantly belligerently barging at your door. Well, yeah, again, it's the saying, your emergency is not my emergency or something, something like that. Your problem is not my emergency. It's not, I am not required to bend your whim and I am not going to apologize if I'm not able to accommodate that. I'm not going to apologize if I need more time to think about that. I'm not going to apologize if that's outside my boundaries or that's outside of my policies and procedures. We need to remember to state the facts, what our policies are, what our boundaries are, what our timeline is. And leave it at that and not be apologetic for that because it's not something that we need to feel regret or remorse for. Now, on the other hand, if something is your fault or something goes wrong on your watch, you can say something like, you know, cleaning the poop took longer than I expected. I'll have it cleaned up in 15 minutes or whatever the scenario is. But again, sticking to the facts is super important, especially when you're the one at fault. Yeah, if you've missed deadlines, if you've missed visits because of poor time management, instead of going right to the next client, you went and you went shopping or you did other stuff, tried to run errands when you knew you actually didn't have that much time, then apologize for missing that visit because that was something that you had agency over. You had control over those actions and those decisions that have now impacted other people. And if you're working with other people, never offer an apology on their behalf or put bring them into a situation where they have no right being. Because there are legitimate reasons to apologize, like when it's actually your fault and something that was inside of your control. Maybe you misspoke or said something offensive or lost your temper, which can happen from time to time because (laughs) clients are interesting sometimes. Or maybe you just damaged a client's property out of negligence. Then you should apologize. Your desire to apologize actually comes from a very deep and powerful strength, which is empathy. It is very good to have in this business. Your ability to see how upset someone is, is critical in this service industry. You help people feel welcome and warm and cared for and have peace of mind when they're on vacation or having long days at work. So having empathy is great. Yeah, you just have to make sure and be careful that it doesn't take control over us, where we start allowing the the empathy to put the I'm sorry as a protective gear in front of us or as a way to smooth things over when things don't go right. When again, when we apologize for things that aren't in our control, we may be trying to do that for good reasons. We want people to be happy. We also have to look on the flip side of where else could this be fueling of what bad things or what the not so good places could the apologies be coming from? And what is my ultimate goal with apologizing? Am I actually going to change the way I'm behaving? Is this an action that I had control over or not? Or do I just want to feel better about the situation and maybe not have the client be as stressed about this? Exactly. Now, cutting out the impulsive, I'm sorry, takes a lot of time. 
It really does. So maybe something good is loop a couple people that are close to you in your life to let them know what you're trying to do and you're trying to accomplish so that they can kind of be buddies with you and let you know when you start saying that word a lot <laughs> in your life. Uh, the most important thing is to never feel rushed to respond in any way, in any circumstance. Write out what you'd like to say or ask more time if it's over the phone or in person so that you can start weeding the words out. Really be intentional about what we're saying so that we know when I'm talking, I know what the words are coming out and they are exactly what I intend them to be because they have meaning and they're important. And I want people to listen to when I'm talking and stop tuning me out. On that graphic, there are two that I really kind of wanted to cherry pick apart. And the first one is stop apologizing for doing things that make you happy. So particularly going on vacation and taking time off because those things are crucial in this business. If you were not doing them, you need to be doing them to prevent burnout. A client should never put you in a situation where you feel like you need to apologize for taking a vacation, for taking some time off. It is ridiculous and absurd for a client to expect you to never take a vacation and to work twenty four, basically 24-7, 365. That well, is unheard of in every other industry. Well, and because we know that there are clients who get upset Many times when we make that announcement that we're leaving or make that announcement that we're not going to be available, I, we see it a lot. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be available these dates. And we know that the, the intent there is to try and make people less angry at them. Because we don't want the pushback of, no. oh, I really needed you on X date and you're going to be gone. Yeah, And it's not just vacations. Maybe you have hobbies that you like to do. You like to go hiking. Maybe you like to show dogs. Maybe you like to do other sports or other activities. And you are trying to ask for that time back in your life. And instead of saying... I'm not available at this time or I'm not available this weekend and moving on, we apologize so that we, again, we hope to cover for that reaction that we're kind of anticipating and trying to read between the lines of what we're going to get back or the kickback we're going to get from our clients. Stop doing that. The other one that I wanted to highlight from that list is outgrowing a place or situation, particularly in terms of having staff. So sometimes when people are going from solo to a team, they will apologize for, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not the only one doing the visits anymore. Instead of leading with the strengths of why a team is awesome and more coverage and we will always be able to accommodate you and, and all of the benefits that a team brings, they say, I'm sorry, there will be somebody else covering the visits from now on. Yeah. Another one is maybe you have to drop a particular service. So instead of saying, I'm sorry, I can no longer provide walks in your area or I'm no longer providing walks on the weekends, say, status update, walks no longer provided on weekends and moving on. I, I think it'll be a wonder the moment a big car company or a big manufacturer apologizes when they stop carrying particular items on their, in their catalog. Yeah, they don't let people know they're doing it. They just do it. <laughs> they don't, and they don't apologize when they disappear. Right. It's just, it's there one day and it's gone the next, depending on what their needs are. You have to make business decisions. Now, you can present it as we're super excited for what we can offer, but stop apologizing for whenever you have to pull back for your own reasons. Maybe it's because it's for mental health. Maybe it's for financial reasons. Maybe it's for you're trying to lead a better uh, work-life balance. Whatever those reasons are, you don't have to air those out. You don't have to apologize for making decisions based on those. 
as as you run the business accordance with your life and your goals that you have. Well, and this comes into a play a lot of times when we talk about prices as well, because we feel like we have to, when we raise prices, we feel yeah. like we have to justify and tell the reasons why we're doing this and gas is so expensive. And it comes I, across as an apology of, yeah. I'm sorry, I have to raise the prices when it really shouldn't be. It's a it's a numbers decision. It's a black and white mathematic decision that I am not making as much money as I need to live my life. My prices have to go up. It it's a it's a business decision. It's not a personal. But it but it can be emotional because we don't want to have to have our clients pay more necessarily. I mean, you know, the money aspect is nice, but I don't, you know, if I know that somebody is in a financial bind, but I also need to raise prices, like I do kind of feel bad for that. Well, that's the where the empathy part comes in. We we do empathize with people and their emotions and how they handle it. We feel the financial pains around the world at all times with prices going around us. We know how it feels like. That's where the empathy comes in. But we can't let that empathy control and take over and start apologizing for things that aren't our fault or that we are not actually repentant of or remorseful over. I can sympathize and empathize with you through the situation that you're in without taking responsibility for that. And that's where the two differences of of, of, of apologies and I'm sorry's comes in of I can empathize, but I cannot take responsibility. Those are, those are two different aspects of it. And this whole discussion is around the fact that many of us try and take responsibility over things when we're just trying to empathize with people. And that starts with our language. And so it is tricky when we want to say, oh, I am sorry that this is going on. Well, are you actually remorseful? Or are you trying to empathize with them? If you're trying to empathize, let's use some better words. You can say, I feel bad. I wish this wasn't happening. Or, or whatever that looks like for well, you. Well, but also you have to be professional. So yeah. you have to balance that out as well of, well, I, I, I am a business person. I want to be seen as a businesswoman or a businessman. But also, you know, I, I don't want to have to make this decision, but I feel like I have to. Yep. So messaging is always important. How you present yourself, how you show yourself. That's for you to decide. Many people will choose, I want to appeal and be personable and be known as the individual and be seen as the face. Other people may choose the more removed tactic of viewing as putting the business first, the business front. That's for you to decide how you want to message. Just know that there are emotional, there are mental, there are physical and spiritual strains on you as a business owner, depending on which front you put on. And they're different and there are pros and cons to both of them. How you want to run and how you want to manage should be reflected in the language that you use. So too often we see people who are trying to run with the business up front and be business first and business business. And they're using the language of the personal empathetic, I'm sorry for everything. That comes with consequences. Some people who are running the I'm more personal front, more I'm, you know, my face, I'm, I'm the center of everything, try and run it differently. You have to know whether those taxes of the emotions are worth it on you at the end of the day and whether that is actually helping you meet your goals in a realistic way and whether your clients are still treating you well. Yeah, because I would venture to say if you are more, if you are less of the business person and more of the empathy type of business owner, your clients may take more advantage of you or try to at least. Yeah. And I know many people will say, that's the one thing my clients love about me 
is that I am empathetic and I and I know their needs and I meet their needs. That's wonderful. Just make sure you aren't being taken advantage of and that you still have the detectors and the policies and stuff in place to protect yourself so that you don't end up feeling like you have to apologize for everything when it really wasn't your fault. And you get to that point where you're like, I need to do this for my business. I have to say this. I have to do this to get to this point. And sometimes we can hold ourselves back if we feel like we're going to hurt people's feelings or something bad may happen. Well, until you don't end up picking up somebody's dry cleaning or coffee or walking their dog at 2 a.m. because they really need you to. And if you do decide to do that, make sure your prices are set high so it makes yeah. it worth your time. Yeah. <laughs> Again, there, there are so many generalities here and language is always hard to try and mold and fit everybody's particular circumstance. We see this a lot in prices. We see it a lot in language and in marketing and advertising, all that stuff. That's why we really encourage you to take a hard look at your your business and go, what kind of language do I want to use in my business? How do I want to talk to people so that I get results, so that they respect me, they see my, they see that I am secure, they see that I am competent, they see me as a business. That I'm strong. Exactly. So what kind of language do I need to use? So you get to decide that. You get to sit down and write out what kind of words do I want to use? What kind of language do I want to have both in my advertising and my marketing when I'm talking with people face-to-face or I'm going on Facebook Live or whatever that looks like? That's for you to decide and make sure that your language is matching what you want. But please stop apologizing for things that are not your fault. (laughs) Yeah, that's the long and short of this. You've made it this far in the episode. That's the big takeaway is that you have things that happen to you and your business that are not your fault, and we shouldn't be apologizing for them. So if you would like to tell us how you implement this in your business, you can send us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. On this week's Ask a Biz Coach question, Natasha O'Banion is going to answer, how do I identify bottlenecks in my business? So if you're visual, I think a lot of us are visual, you could just write it out. So maybe take a whiteboard or get a dry erase marker on your mirror, right? A piece of paper if you want to. And start writing out each process. When a client onboards, what do they need to know? What do they do? And then you can see where it's like, er, well, that's where we have an issue. Usually the bottleneck is you. If you guys go on my website, automatedceo.com, you'll see me talking about it. The bottleneck is us. <laughs> it's us standing in the way over, like, looking at our team and wondering if they're doing it the way I'm doing. Like, we need to get out of the way. Our team members can do things so much better than us sometimes in different ways. Right. But we have to let them shine. But if you just write it down on a piece of paper, each department, and write down every single process and where there's usually like a hiccup, that's how you identify bottlenecks. But usually, again, it's us. It's us overcommitting. It's us saying yes to more things that we can. It's us writing out a process and then going against it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we set the tone for the company. And we have to lead. It's about, like you said, I love that idea of doing that visually so that you can see, especially if you draw like a flow chart of through that process and go, okay, who's doing each one of these tasks? And you will, like you said, very quickly see all these arrows pointing back to you for everything Mm -hmm. in the business. And so that, then the question goes, okay, how do I not have that happen? Yeah, I always have this delegation list that I have everybody write. I'm like, you need to write out all the things that you do every single day from when you wake up. 
And now we need to think about who we can start giving those things to. There's Asana, there's ClickUp, there's Slack. You know, you can have all these visions and you can start typing them in and then just start giving it to people. Um, I have one of my clients making videos for clients when they um, use the app. So I'm like, listen, your clients are having an issue with like onboarding. So go ahead and make a tutorial video for them on how to download the app and how to get in and how to set their account up. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I know. But I don't, like, I got to figure out when I'm going to have time to do that. And I said, that's our problem. You keep running business as an employee thinking when you have time, you have all these amazing people around you that could easily go in and make a voiceover video. And she's like, you know what? I actually have somebody in mind. She got the video done literally like 20 minutes. She's like, oh, she did it. It's done. I'm like, you see? <laughs> see? I'm like, why do you keep putting stuff on your list? <laughs> like, Stop putting stuff on our list. It's because we are programmed as employees versus CEOs, and no one teaches us how to make that switch. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a very good illustration of that difference between employee versus CEO of, oh, well, I don't have time. Why not? It's your business, right? Aren't you running it? Can't you, you know, you know <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Who told you that she didn't have time? Right? <laughs> yeah, why are you even putting yourself? So I become like this master delegator where I'm just like in the shower and thinking of all these like master plans. And then I get on my phone and Asana and I'm like writing them all out. Yeah. And my team is like, hey, I saw you put like five different tasks in, but it's not assigned to anyone and no due date. I'm like, I know because I'm just brainstorming right now. Sure. And then I'm going to start divvying in them out. Yeah. But I can't work that fast if I actually just fill up my own list. I'll never get it done. That's where we don't have time because it's on my list, on your list. If you would like to join Natasha's monthly membership group, you can do so at automatedceo.com and use the code PSC20 for 15% off. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode and all of the other episodes that you've listened to. We are very appreciative. Thank you also to Pet Sitters Associates and our monthly financial supporters, our Patreon members. Thank you all so much. Bye.